So I got a very interesting phone call the other day. Oh, yes? From a former fair trading minister. Really? No, it's okay. We're not giving much away. There's been about ten of them. <laughs> That's quite hard to work out who it might be. It will not be obvious at all. Right. Okay. But um, he came up with this idea. He said, why is there no such thing as a not-for-profit strata manager? Oh, that's a weird idea. Yeah, I mean... Out left field. Well, that's what I thought. And then I had to think about it. So we'll be talking about that later on. And we're going to talk about a couple of things that have come up in the Flat Chat Forum. I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So, a not-for-profit or a social profit strata management firm. Now, oh, well, how would that work? Well, you look at the uh, Redfern Legal Centre, okay, where you've got qualified lawyers giving people free, I think it's free, or very low-cost legal advice. They get government funds, they get donations, they get pro bono service from, from legal companies, you know, that allow their people to work for them. And it gives people who would not normally have access to legal advice, it brings them into the system so they can get legal advice if they if they need help. A lot of it has to do with housing and stuff like that, but it's not exclusive to that. But with Strata, if you had a free Strata service, I mean, would that be means tested? How would, it, how would you decide who gets free Strata advice and who has to pay for it from a Strata company? I think you go by the size of the Strata scheme. Now, 50% of the apartment blocks in Australia don't have strata managers. And one of the reasons for that is that basically the average charge for strata manager is about 280 per unit per year, $280 per unit per year. That's pretty cheap, isn't it, really? It is. So, I mean, if you've got a big building of 100 units, that's, you know, that's 28,000 that the strata manager is going to bring into his company. And obviously, he's managing a lot of properties. You're questioning my arithmetic. <laughs> is it 2,800? Well, if it's 280 times 100, it's 28,000. Can you scrap that bit? <laughs> no. <laughs> Again. You are such a mean podcaster. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that used as an insult before. So, you know, and, and if they've got 20 properties, then they're bringing in a lot of money to their strata management company. But a small strata scheme doesn't necessarily mean a lot less work. In fact, a big strata scheme, they can, all, they can often uh, sort out their own problems internally because they've got enough different voices there. But if you've got, you know, 10 or 12 units in a block, it gets very personal very quickly. So the strata manager can spend a lot of time trying to deal with people who are basically it's it's a personal dispute, but it just takes the form of a strata dispute. So it takes up a lot of time, and there's a limit to how much they can charge people. That's mm. why a lot of these small strata schemes don't have strata managers. It just doesn't make any sense economically. But if there was a service that they could go to where they could get not just general advice, but very specific advice. I kind of feel like that could work. It could help mm. people. 
you kind of think that would be good for a modest strata scheme, don't you? But, you know, there, there are some strata schemes around which have maybe two owners or three or four owners that are really, really wealthy, you know, fabulous mm. little tiny boutique blocks right on the harbour side in Sydney or on the river, on the Yarra River in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, that would be feel a bit unfair. But then those people aren't really likely to go to that kind of strata service, are they? They're no. likely to have their own battery of lawyers yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who know them on first name terms. Yes. So, yeah, so that might be self-censoring as well. And also it could be a handy thing for strata management firms, the same way that legal companies, uh, legal firms, law firms, give pro bono advice and get their interns and people like that and their young lawyers to go and get some experience, uh, you know, at the coalface kind of thing. Well, you know, strata management firms could do the same. They could send people out, you know, go and help these people. Find out what it's really like out there before you come in to the main company and start working as a strata manager. And have you spoken to any strata managers about this? I have. I have. Um, I won't name any names, but uh, their response immediately was, yeah, look, we're not going to get that business anyway from these small strata firms, but it could be a terrific training tool for Mm. for their, uh, you know, their new strata managers. And it's an expanding business all the time, you know, that, that just more and more people and more and more people in strata management. And I think one response could be, well, isn't that what fair trading in New South Wales and, and VCAT or what was it? Um, the Consumer Consumer Affairs Victoria, CAV, isn't that a service that they provide? But they will not advocate for you. You, you go to a lawyer and... Well, the first thing you want to do is find out, do I have a case? But the next thing you want is for them to advocate on your behalf and actually go and argue on your behalf. A fair trading and Consumer Affairs Victoria will not do that. That's They will give you the advice. In fact, sometimes <laughs> you go to fair trading for advice and they just say, well, this the law says this. And you go, well, yeah, but how does that? work in these circumstances and they go well it's not the law says this Mm. yeah yeah well that sounds like a really interesting idea yeah and is this minister planning to follow up on this idea i don't know if he is he might be if he ever hears this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um he is not in that area anymore Mm. so uh it'd be he'd be treading on someone else's toes yeah but he could suggest it to a colleague couldn't he really yeah yeah, it's possible. It's possible hmm. if he if uh, he's in good terms with the the other the in, the current incumbent, um, perhaps. But it just seems like there's a big gap out there for people. People need advice. They need support as well as advice, and uh, there's nobody out there providing it. No, that sounds a really good idea. So okay. I don't know what to do next. What, uh, should I write to write to my MP? I know what I'll do. I'll write a column in the Australian Financial Review. Yeah, and you could phone the minister back as well and say, what are you going to do about this? I've decided it's a good idea. Yeah, put him on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. Good idea. Okay. Right, well, that's that dealt with. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about an old house, an old apartment block, where the, the fire alarms kept going off, so they've taken all the fire alarms out and not replaced them. Uh-huh. Splendid idea. <laughs> Great idea. We'll we'll have a chat about that after this.
we're back. So what's what on earth is happening at this old apartment building? So this is a building that's more than 100 years old. It's been a mansion that has been turned into probably very nice apartments. And uh, it sounds like from the person who wrote to the Flat Chat forum, um, which is on our website, flat-chat.com.au, that uh, the people upstairs, basically, they rule the roost. And the people downstairs have got rising damp on the one hand and no fire alarm system on the other. Now they, well, first of all, they had the problem with their fire alarms and they took them out because they kept going off and they couldn't fix it. And you can kind of understand why they would want to do that. But then their strata manager said, well, we have to do a fire assessment, but you don't have to tell the council about this. So they've got this fire assessment uh, fire safety assessment that says you really need to have smoke alarms and they need to be integrated and all this and they've gone yeah okay we're not going to do anything about that because it's going to cost too much and every year it costs more and more and more that's bizarre is that is that allowed is that legal is it allowed to happen well, really if the council found out about it they'd put a fire order on it but you know one of these things about one of these small apartment blocks that we're talking about you know they, the woman is very, who wrote to us, very frustrated because um, they want to do stuff. They, they want to fix the rising damp. They want to make the building safe, fire safe. And the people who have the controlling votes are just saying, well, no, we're not going to do it. So why doesn't she report it to council? I think part of the thing is that since it's been so long since all the fire safety stuff was taken out, it's going to cost so much more now to, to fix it. And she feels that the people who've been blocking putting the fire safety measures in should at least have to pay the difference between what it would have cost and what it will cost now. Well, I don't think she's going to win that argument, really, no, is she? No, no. I mean, it sounds like... Uh, I mean, well, funnily enough, if the the decision to take the fire stuff out was made before the law changed in 2016 and up until then uh, members of the committee could be personally liable for decisions that they'd made knowing that they were doing the wrong thing now that changed with the 2016 laws but i wonder if somebody might say well you made that decision under the old laws so that's the law that applies to so that decision you're you're liable you're you liable to pay for that. yeah a big chunk oh that's interesting yeah but that would you'd probably have to get a lawyer to do that. Mm, in the absence of a strata advisory, not-for-profit <laughs> not organisation. Profit. Social profit, mm. they call it now. Social mm. profit. Mm. But, you know, it, and people don't realise that, I mean, at the very least, she could, well, she could dob in, dob in their building to the council, but um, she could take the whole of the owners' corporation to NCAT, to, like, basically take yourself to NCAT and ask them to issue orders to sort this out and they can do that and they will do that she just won't be very popular in the block though will she? i suspect from the tone of her letter her, her email from, she's, not, that very she's not that popular anyway. already mm, yeah yeah better to be unpopular and alive than popular and dead in a fire <laughs> well that's one of the great bugbears of strata living especially in old buildings people live in fear of the fire safety orders from the local council but what usually happens is the the council comes in and, and says, you've got to do this, 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 this and this. But then you can sit down with them and say, well, what can we do that will make the building safe when we can't afford to do all that stuff? 
Yep. Can we phase it over a certain number yeah, of years? Yeah, that things? kind of thing. And they're pretty yeah. obliging, I think, aren't they? As long as people aren't in danger of lose, losing their lives in fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's going to be interesting if and when the new uh, uh, Airbnb uh, short-term letting laws come in because that's where they're, they're insisting on fire safety in apartments that are being let to holidaymakers mm-hmm. and very stringent fire safety measures. So, yeah. So it's all change, mm. I, I suppose, or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we'll be back after a short break. So, Jimmy, what else have you had this week? Oh, we had a real flurry of posts on the forum, but there was one that particularly intrigued me. Somebody has, he owns, lucky for him, he owns a whole building and rents out the uh, units to, you know, to tenants, which is fair enough. But he came into the building the other day and found that one of the tenants has removed the door lock and replaced it with an electronic keypad. To the whole building or just to his? No, no, just to his apartment. And he has contacted the guy and said, well, for a start, this is not fire safe because it doesn't have a handle on it. So, you know, you or I in our apartment, we can get out the front door just by turning the handle. Even though the door's locked, the handle still works. This has no handle. So some in a, the event of a fire, somebody would be trying to remember a oh pin number goodness. to get out of the, the apartment. Sure. Technically speaking, the landlord is breaching fire orders again by having a door that doesn't have a fire-safe lock on it. So he's gone out and bought a lock with a handle uh, to replace, and uh, the tenant isn't talking to him, won't even return his phone calls. Gosh, people are strange, aren't they? They are. <laughs> you know, and you, you think this this person's maybe paranoid that the, the landlord's going to come round and go in when they're not there or maybe they've got something nefarious going on in the (laughs) apartment but I looked up uh, the residential tenancy laws you shouldn't change the lock without the landlord's permission is one of them but if you have to do it you must give them keys got to give them keys so that they can access the apartment so this tenant has got himself really in a very bad position because he or she has not only have have they damaged the door frame or at least dug another hole in it and put in a, a lock that they didn't ask for permission to change the locks, they haven't provided access. If that lock was fire safe, they would still have to give the landlord the PIN number so they can use it. So they've, they're in danger of getting evicted. They, they, that's mm. grounds for eviction. You know, mm. you're, you've broken the terms of your lease. Wow. And has there been a kind of past enmity between them and the landlord? Or? I don't know. It doesn't yeah. seem... That, I think this is a fairly new tenant that's just moved in and decided to give himself super security. Um, <laughs> but, uh, mm. yeah, it's funny. People just don't realise. They think even when they're renting a place, they can just do what they want. And I'm sure once this person gets a note from the landlord saying... If you don't give me access to fix the lock, I'm going to have to evict you. That might get their attention. Mm, yeah. So it's a fairly short flat chat wrap this week because you're heading off. Yes, I'm researching apartments in India this time. Really? No. 
I thought well, I heard you were researching really nice hotels in India. <laughs> I'm just going to be in India for a couple of weeks, so right. then I'll be back, and um, I'll have a look uh, along the way of look at some of the tenement blocks in in Mumbai mm. and in Delhi. All right, I'd be interested to hear what you say. You bring us some pictures; we'll put them on the website. <laughs> Until then, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me and Mumbai from Sue. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today, as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.